Hey there, I'm Kevin Daisy. And I'm Eric Olson. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. All right, we're live. Everyone, as you tune in, welcome to another live recording on the Managing Partners Podcast. Uh, today, I have Carolyn Cremines. Yes, sir. And she's joining us from Texas. Uh, she really focuses on construction law, but I'll let her talk about that. And she has a new book out, so we'll also talk about that. So uh, we're ready to learn a lot from Carolyn and introduce yourself. Cool. Hey, good morning. Thank you so much for having me, uh, Carolyn Cromings. I have been a licensed attorney in Texas for the last eight years. Uh, I started my practice kind of out of necessity in 2006. When my last year of law school, my um, husband and I started a material supply company. And uh, I really needed to figure out lien laws, lien laws in Texas, which are a very complicated animal, and then just construction in general. I'd been in the construction industry most of my life. My you know, grandfather was an excavator. My stepdad was an excavator. My uncle was, uh, I have an uncle that's an irrigation contractor and an uncle that's an electrician. So some of my first jobs as a teenager were in a subcontractor's office. So I kind of know the basics of how it works. And then, um, you know, I did that for our company to collect our money. And then my business kind of grew from there because there's people that can, practice construction law, but a less amount of people who practice construction law that actually worked in the industry. Um, and then so starting my the business from the ground up in the construction industry, you realize how much you need legal help, um, especially. And that's what the, the book I wrote is about is quit getting screwed about how not to get screwed in the construction industry, specifically <laughs> on contracts. But that that's what we do. We help you negotiate contracts and collect your money and run a better business across the board. And so I love that. So you have a very uh, strong knowledge and personal connection to the law you practice um, and seeing it from both sides versus, you know, you just practice, you, you learn the law and decided that to go into that. Like you had a lot of reasons to go into that field. Correct. I mean, it was, like I said, it was kind of a necessity. I think I would have probably ended up there anyways. It just pushed it right along on, on where I was going. All right. Well, uh, anyone tuning in uh, also don't forget, ask any questions uh, if you have those uh, regarding construction law primarily, but other areas that you practice in, if you wouldn't mind, yeah, I do. I do real estate as well. You know, any kind of business to business, business formation. I mean, really, my my job is a problem solver for, for businesses across the board. Collections, uh, even if not in the construction industry, uh, is a huge is a huge part of what I do. Even you know, for doctor's office, dentist office, just the uh, the professional collection side um, and filing lawsuits and evictions and all that good stuff. Well, maybe you can call a couple of my clients that owe me money. No, guess. <laughs> <laughs> we all have those, and that's why you know you need people like me. Uh, we have perfect clients. I'm just joking. We don't <laughs> anything, but uh, well, so you want know, to go into kind of like yeah, you know, some of the and again, I think the construction piece here is is unique and, and niche for you. And um, what what are some of the kind of the challenges? your client would face and specifically i think in the construction side but basically why would they reach out to you when when they do uh, or is it something you're you're trying to get ahead of but what are the kind of the challenges that they they typically face that you're helping them navigate usually they show up when they have a problem i'm trying to be proactive you know we have a couple of issues that always that always 
creep up. Um, I'm getting ready to sign a contract that I don't understand. So let's go over it. I've signed a contract that I don't understand and now I'm in trouble. So help me get out of it. Um, I need to draft a contract because I'll hire somebody else is going to hire me or I'm owed money for work that I, that I've done. And so all of those things we help across the board. And then once you come in with one of those issues, what I try to do is I have like a legal landmine checklist for businesses in the construction industry. So the first thing is, are you incorporated? Are you incorporated properly? Is all that set up? You know, the next thing employees uh, is a huge thing. If you have any type of employees, are you classifying them correctly? And are you paying them correctly? Because I don't think people understand the gravity of what can happen uh, if you misclassify someone or don't play them over time. It's not just that one employee that can come after you and get sued in federal court. And basically, they'll open up your books for the last three years and tell all your former employees, hey, you may have been paid long, wrong. You want to open, you know, you want to join this lawsuit. It's basically a certify a class. Uh, and so we go through the employment issue. You know, do you have an employee handbook? And then the next thing is, do you have a good contract or do you know what to watch out for when you're signing somebody else's contract? And then the other piece that we really get into is the collection strategy and realizing that collection starts way before you even enter the business transaction, way before the transaction starts. It's not something you think of on the end and then try to scramble to cover, you know. So we help people put collection strategies in place uh, that work with the liens. Uh, and that's the thing is about liens, construction liens are different in all 50 states. Um, and so right now, one of my big projects is I'm diving into what you need to do to file a lien in all states. And then later on this year, that will be on Subcontractor Institute, like in plain English, step-by-step instructions on how to do it in each state, because that, that's something that's really lacking out there that anybody in the construction industry can use. Excellent. Excellent. Well, so I was interested to learn, you know, what you just said about collections, kind of like starting, you know, having that in place beforehand versus like, you know, hey, <laughs> this, you know, we're trying to collect on this and, and it's kind of too late and we're trying to, I guess, cover our costs. So that's interesting. Uh, well, and especially if you're with law firms, you want to get, you want to get as much information up front. And when you're asking when they open a file, it's not, it doesn't seem out of place, but if you're asking when they owe you money, you're not going to get that information. And so just knowing what you and each state is different about what you can do. Texas is actually very limited on what we can do to collect judgment. Other states let you garnish wages for a judgment. You can't do that here. Um, you know, we can't go after a homestead. There's a lot of protections in Texas that other states don't have. Um, and so, but knowing, you know, where the what bank they're at, making copies of checks when you get paid, you know, taking note of all that would help you later on if you don't get paid. And here's the other thing, especially with lawyers, is they don't want to push because they don't want to get a bad review. They don't want to get sued for malpractice. And so if you do a good job, just go out there and do it. You know, it's, I've been called unreasonable more than once because of my collection <laughs> strategy for myself and for my client. Uh, but I don't just, I don't just sit and wait around, which I don't think you should have to, you know, once you get a judgment, it's pretty clear that you should be paid. Yeah. Uh, well, so to kind of tack on to what you were talking about with the different kind of challenges they may face or things you help them with, maybe you could quickly explain like, cause there's differences here. You got an employee versus a contractor and then versus a subcontractor. Right. And the main thing is, is the level of control, right? And here's the thing is that the IRS doesn't care what you call them. It's what they actually do that matters. Like, oh, I just give them a 1099. Uh, that doesn't, you get audited, you're going to owe all those taxes and withholding and overtime. So you really have to see if that person shows up at your office every day, you tell them what to do every day, they're an employee. 
They need to be paid overtime. They need to be paid correctly. You know, if it's truly a subcontractor, they go to other projects, they have their own equipment. You're not their only source of income. Then you need to have a contract with them and that's fine. But you can't, you can't, you know, classify an employee as a subcontractor just because you don't want to have to take out withholdings and, you know, properly pay them. Uh, it can catch up with you. And, and then here's the thing is that once you find out you're doing it wrong, fix it because there is a statute of limitations. Don't not deal with it and hope nobody will find out because what usually happens is that somebody gets injured either on the job or off the job and goes to an attorney who then is a PI, a personal injury attorney, but then starts pumping them. What do you do for a living? And in the construction industry, it is wrought with people not being paid properly, like day laborers just being paid for the day, although they should be paid overtime. And so that those PI firms usually work with an employment firm that will pick up the case. And obviously it's on contingency. And so you as an employer now facing federal court and a bunch of attorney fee bills plus whatever you owe the employees so those things that were kind of under the radar are now being exposed correct correct yeah. so the sooner you realize it and fix it i mean try not to make a big deal out of it just we're changing our practices we're going to you know do it the right way so we had a uh, a question come in while uh just a few minutes ago this is from sean ragsdale do you plan on expanding into dallas so are you yeah, going I mean, eventually I'll have an office there, but we're ready to go in Dallas right now, especially thank goodness everything's virtual. Uh, we can obviously go to court hearings there and everything right now. And anything that you need done legally, we, we can either do via Zoom or we can be there. Because right now we have offices in Houston, San Antonio, and Austin, but okay. we can still go to Dallas right now. Yeah, so I mean, really practicing all in the whole state. Do you take any cases that are super far away? Do you uh, guess that maybe it's case by case? Basically? Yeah, usually. And what I'm, what I'm expanding on with Subcontractor Institute doing 50 states, I'm eventually subcontractor institute can do the liens and everything but once that goes to lien there's no any lawyers that work there so you're going to have to be farmed out and my plan is to have the chromies law firm expand to all 50 states either some you know when the first starting out being like with the ube or you can easily be with reciprocity you can easily be licensed in other states starting here and once that business builds up big enough we can have an office there or or whatever we need to do to expand that there is the long-term plan that we're working on but that's probably like the 10-year plan so well that was going to be kind of my next question is uh one and this will probably tie into that but how are you acquiring clients so what do you guys what is your team doing what's your company doing or your firm i guess uh to generate new business acquire new clients currently in you know i guess texas but and then my next question would be kind of what's your plans for, for growing that in the future? Gotcha. So I came up with this growth goal, I guess it was the end of 2019 to 10 times my revenue, uh, which is a huge, a huge goal and something that's going to take a lot of time. So then I stepped back and I thought, how can I do that? What can I do to bring more clients in to help more people? And the first thing I was like, okay, I can write a book. I can be, I, can, I know a lot about this area and I can write it in a way that people understand it. And then it was a perfect storm that I had taken a, a case to trial with a client that I, I really enjoyed. And I thought he did a great job, but he signed a contract that it didn't matter. He did a good job. And so we lost and he got a $400,000 judgment taken against his company and uh, went out of business. And I was, I was pissed. I was so mad and I was so mad because there was nothing I could do because he signed that contract. And so the best thing I knew how to do is to teach people what to look out for when they sign a contract and, and to know that there's no set of rules out there that protect you. And so that started, I started writing the book, which is quick and screwed, which is available on Amazon. And then I was doing that. It's like, we need something more. So then I started the subcontractor Institute and right now, the Subcontractor Institute is 100% free. There's 80 forms there, legal forms that you can use for a business. I basically teach the book chapter by chapter for free. And what's launching next week will be have your construction contract reviewed. Basically, you can upload it and pay per page and then have it reviewed and sent back to you. And so 
all of that media push and all of that social push has really brought new clients and, brought, and attention. And the other thing is the Quit Getting Screwed podcast has gotten a lot of traction as well, where I kind of take these deep legal issues like employment, where the new one this month is employment. We really kind of break it down and what you need to watch out for and just talk candidly about the, the issues in the field, but in a way that everybody can can understand it. Because I, I, I think lawyers so far and the previous generations have done a bad job of making legal knowledge accessible to everyone. Uh, and I think that's going to change. And if it doesn't change, then they'll then they'll go out of business because there are people are out there that are doing that. So yeah, that's kind of what everything that we're working on. <laughs> <laughs> so the book. So um, this is the the title here at the bottom. If everyone's ch checking this out, uh, quit getting screwed. Understanding and negotiating the subcontract. So it's available on, on Amazon. I put the link in the comments for anyone that wants to go check that out. Um, so and that uh, is that a book that released January this year. Yes. And then there's actually, I wrote a second one on collections specifically for Texas that that will launch in the third quarter, I think about September. And that's called Quit Getting Stiffed. So. <laughs> I love the names, by the way. I, I, I don't know how else to say it, but to be honest about it. And, uh, uh, and it. you know, like I said, realize that, that sometimes you may feel helpless that you have to sign this scary contract in front of you and you don't know what it means, but you don't have to. And, and, and honestly, you would be doing the whole industry of a favor if you would push back on these contracts. I'm trying to give people the tool to do that. Excellent. I love it. I love the titles. I like, you know, being a little bit edgy, direct. Um, I think that'll work well for you actually. And um, so, so you got the book out. Uh, what, I guess, other marketing strategies have worked for you in the past? Um, obviously, we we do digital marketing for law firms. That's what we specialize in and what we focus on mostly. But anything you've done, whether it's, it can be word of mouth, mouth, uh, your referrals, but anything digitally, uh, your website, I know you have a nice website, um, SEO, um, what things have really worked for you guys in the, in the past to, to obtain new business? Well, Google ads are still not our number one source of, of, of revenue of new clients is Google ads, but you have to get in there and really define what your, what your search terms in play around with it, check it constantly, which like to lawyers, this is, this is, we don't know what the hell this is. I'll tell you, I don't, I don't know what the hell this is. You just, I can tell you, who's calling and what the phone is ringing. And then if we tweak something, a different line of customer comes in. And so I know that it's very important. And I know that I can tell you that the beginning of this year, usually I didn't have to compete for my Google AdWords, but apparently everybody was feeling it. So the big, the guys that are bigger than me were eating up the Google AdWords and mine were way less effective. So I had to find other ways. So my second source of revenue, second source of biggest clients is word of mouth is referrals. And then after the end, that comes from people coming in and the, the best thing I can tell you, no matter what your field is, is customer service. Attorneys have such a bad rap out there. If you're, if you could just like answer the phone call the same day, make sure that, you know, I, mean, I have competitors that like potential clients call, they never even call them back. And so it, and so getting rid of that stigma that's behind attorneys is huge. And you want to get, you want to get revenue from com complete, uh, from repeat business, customer service. You know, and I, I really think that's hugely important. I've actually designed, I have a position, a, a gentleman that started with me is Daniel. He's awesome. He's my customer service rep. He's who you'll talk to the intake process. He gets you all set up on our Clio, which is our, you know, cloud system. We, you can upload your documents and if you have any questions, he's a phone call or email away and he can get you in contact with whoever you need to. And the other thing is that I know it's uncomfortable, but promptly address criticism or issues. If you let it sit, it's just only going to get worse. And don't be wrong. There's some clients that will never be happy. I get it. But the thing <laughs> is you can't hide from it. That makes it worse. You just got to come out and say what it is. And then just, I, and I really think that's where the legal field is headed. And if you don't get on it, 
you're not going to be around for very long because there are people that are that are doing that that are offering that service um and so like i said customer service and then the other thing especially with online webinars i can't tell you how many places i talk talk for free give webinars for free you know i'm start i'm starting to get the paid ones because i've done it enough i'm out there enough uh which will lead to another source of income but offer you know find your local associations that are like for me construction associations there's like five or six law firms but if i'll go and i offer to give free talks on a on a topic uh that's another way that we get a, a lot of people that that might not need us right now but will remember me in the future if they need something so i think those are the big things that we've been doing. And then, you know, real events are coming back, which are huge. People are ready for real events. Uh, so if you have any of those going on, you're going to get a huge turnout, right? At least in my experience is that, you know, golf tournaments, all of the things people want are ready to go to again. Absolutely. Well, I love a lot of what you just had to say, and I totally agree with you. You're preaching to the choir, I think, on that. I, this is something I work on with my company a lot is responsiveness, communication, and it can be negative or bad or whatever, but hey, just we messed this up or we didn't do this or we did do this or just over the top where my team's like this are we going to call the client this many times like yes you are you're going to tell them everything and and we and then lessons learned which we, what we call if you screw something up you bring it out you bring everyone in you have a cold like a debrief of what happened and figure out and make a change to your processes if you have to and then tell the client hey we did screw this up here's what we changed and here's the document that shows it and here's the people that were at fault or but now they know what's up and we've changed this and we uh, hopefully never ha let it happen again. So and I think yeah, it's the biggest it. thing. They, they want to be heard. They want you to hear that they have an issue and then deal with it, you know, and just saying, yes, we were wrong. And nobody's perfect. You know? That's hard to do, though. It took us, uh, it took me. Especially for lawyers, very prideful people generally. But it, we all make mistakes, right? Uh, yeah. All the time. And then, you know, tie it back into kind of like the digital marketing thing. You know, you have your Google My Business listings, you have reviews. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how many people I see where they just, they don't respond to reviews at all good or bad they just don't monitor it and a bad review sitting there for six months or a year you can't go back and respond and try to make up for it at that point so and anyone reading those is going to say hey they didn't respond to any of these people and so i, I just see that commonly that most and, firms and, and, but the question is is how much detail do you get into a response because like i you Not know much. i have a client right now that I'm, I'm we're kind of going back and forth and there comes a point where i apologize i should have been clearer on what i was saying but i you know i hear what you're saying but i don't I don't think another response is going to be very fruitful to anybody. You know, they're just going to be. And, and and so that being said, and I, I fell down here too, managing expectations on the front end. What can you expect? When can you expect it? If you're a billable attorney, quoting prices, you probably shouldn't do. You can give ballparks estimate and always go high, never go low. But, yep. um, <laughs> you know, it's the whole thing. I mean, in any business, it's managing expectations. Yes, 100%. That's another good point there. Um, and that that's where we've gotten in trouble too. It's uh, So say someone on my business development team, they could set the wrong expectation. They sign on as a client and then the management that my operations team gets then there's different expectations or um, they weren't aware of what said business development person promised or mm -hmm. said. Mm -hmm. And then now it's this, you know, potential well, mess. There. Yeah. And then the customer's yeah. like, oh my gosh, what am, what am I dealing with here? I talked to this one person and then we have the same team thing too in the intake process. You'll end up with a different lawyers, you know, then, and what will happen is I'll, we'll talk about it. We'll set the strategy and then somebody else will take over. And so just explaining that that's what's going to happen that, you know, I'm still involved, but we're going to, you know, if you don't want me to build every hour on your file you want somebody else who's cheaper than me to, to do that 
uh, with still with the experience, but and just explaining the process up front. And like I said, the main thing, answer the phone call the same day. Would you please do that, people? I'm sick of people hating lawyers because we don't answer phone calls. Just deal with the shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. And uh, I think, you know, and that's that's common in, in my industry, too. So I, I, you know, we try to make it a point to actually, if I have a lead come in, mm -hmm. I, I get them all. They, they get through me mm -hmm. and, um, you know, whoever I'm going to give it to, I'll be like, are you available right this second? Yeah, you oh, well, I'm in a meeting for the next hour. Okay. You okay, don't I'll get find it. Somebody else. <laughs> no, I mean, because it happens that quick that they can go find somebody else or do something, you know, and, they, and then you'll lose the lead or, you know, they call and they were interested and then they changed their mind. So. Yeah. Well, I want them to be just impressed, impressed that we even called that fast because they're like, oh, wow, that was I was I was thinking you'd call me next week or something. And, and uh, so we exactly. want to be that difference. Then you got to back it up you yeah, know, all the way through. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> it, it, it takes some time and, and effort and focus. And the other thing, too, is especially in the legal field, just be honest. Don't promise things you can't you can't do. Don't tell a client to have a case when they don't, you know, and just be as honest you can about the situation because you know the other thing that i see in, in this field all the time is that people billing clients unnecessarily and the client doesn't understand that that that's didn't have to go down that way you're um, not billing me for this are you <laughs> so much of my time is writing content and i really have i like to have once or twice a week where i get to put some billable hours in but and most of my time is like consulting with clients and i don't really charge and that's the thing at my at my firm we do billing and then if it's like an update or client consult we don't charge for that you'll see it on the invoice but it'll come across as zero very because nice. i think it's i think it's very important to keep your client updated that's one and then invoice when you want to get paid invoice you know they don't teach you how to run a business in law school, but if you want to get paid invoice. And actually how I set my firm up and it was basically out of necessity being a small business. We bill every two weeks and there's a credit card run for the bill. And then if that credit card, you, when you hire me, you put a $2,500 retainer in my Ulta account. And so if that credit card doesn't through, I can go through, I can pull from my Ulta to pay that bill and basically put everything on hold until you refill that retainer. Uh, Interesting. Just I like because that. I couldn't make payroll every two weeks waiting for people to pay their bills. Um, <laughs> you know, lawyers aren't at the top of the, you know, I think we have very valuable services, but unfortunately we're never at the top of the list to be paid. I just got a bill from our lawyer a minute ago, actually. Um, <laughs> well, so it's interesting. Our model, which I'm, this is all this, this shows about you, but uh, you know, our model, we've we we kind of do a similar thing. We have kind of like a retainer fee. It's not a it's not a lot of money, but it's uh, everyone's always like, well, what's what's that fee? We call it professional services, and uh -huh. and it's really I, I relate it to you know our clients, which are law firms. Is it's four hundred dollars a month, and it's full access to anyone on my team, plus mm -hmm. me, plus our software and, and analytics and all that stuff. But you can call us every day, any day, all the time, and you'll never get a bill that's more than the, the amount that you're signed up for. And so, and we'll talk about things that are not even things that we do for you. So it's uh, versus like, you know, if you had a lawyer that billed you by the hour or a uh, firm like ours, then, you know, you could get a different bill every month. So well, then you feel you like, what, what did my client say today? You feel like you're getting nickel and dime. And, and yeah. here's what I have to say. I'm a lawyer. I sell time. I don't know why else to do that, but to put my time in and then bill you for it. But then, like you said, I think this is where the legal field is going, subscription pricing. And so I've, I have some plans for my clients that is all inclusive. You pay this flat amount per month. It gives you, and there's different levels, right? You can get just the lien package, just the collection package, all the way up to, you know, all of your litigation as as a, you know, as a plaintiff for $5,500 a month plus cost, right? Plus the actual filing fees and everything. Because the biggest question I always get in, how much is it going to cost? And I can't, yeah. 
tell you. The best I can tell you is I have this package. You know, if it's, you know, if it's worth it to you, then do it. If not, so much money. I said, yeah, but you've never been involved in an active lawsuit. $5,500 when you're getting ready to go to trial is huge savings, you know? And so, but having that option out there to not just say, oh, basically you're giving me an open checkbook. It has been very helpful. And most people will go with the other way because they, they think that they're going to get a better deal. Uh, and then they can always switch over. But, you know, it's... Uh, I think that's I, like that. I think that's where the legal field is going. I honestly do. Well, so that's kind of similar to how we operate, right? It's uh, you're going to get a certain amount of marketing services and advertising, and there's a set budget per month, and that's really the same price every month. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can change if we make changes, but uh, but what it does for us and what that would do for you is recurring revenue Constant. that you can Constant. forecast mm-hmm. and you can start to make decisions based on. Well, and and, mm-hmm. and as somebody who's buying your services, I know what they're going to cost. You know what I'm yes. saying? You know, you can I can budget, budget for in for that. This is my marketing budget. Um, and I can tell you, I tried to do some our outsourced marketing before. My business is just too niche. I couldn't have anybody write effective blog articles because it just, it, it's just a different animal. Uh, and I really, I tried to dive into the marketing thing. And I'll, I'll tell you, you don't, you just don't know what you don't know, but you know what you need, right? And yeah. spending the money on marketing in this day and age as a lawyer, you're going to have to, if you want to stay in business, there's just, there's just no other way. Word of yeah, mouth. Someone, someone in your niche, um, yeah, writing for is very difficult. Uh, trying to speak in uh, your tone or your voice is very difficult. Social media becomes difficult. Um, I think where you could get help, maybe Google ads, because that's more, kind of a technical aspect of how it all works. SEO could be that as well, but there there would be a mutual uh, content kind of obligation on your all's part for that to really work. And then the, whatever the backlinks are and the things that, you know, all of that stuff, you know, the technical stuff. Yeah, exactly. I know that it's important, but I don't have time to learn it. So I'll hire an expert. This is a question that came in from Sean. No, but it's my personal term. It means cover your ass. And I give some great seminars on how to do it. Uh, No, it is not. I I guess if you're going to be in construction, you need to know how to CYA. Uh, I like that. Yeah, I have, Sean, I have, Sean I have, does um, some digging here on you. Um, <laughs> yep, I have some great, and you know, there's some great stuff on on CYA for material suppliers and for subcontractors. That sounds like a new book title right there. <laughs> I'm gonna Over have a whole series, and I'm gonna have a whole series, and it'll be CYA. So I've done I've done contracts, I've done collection. The next one will be employment, like the issues that I'm talking about, and it'll be a whole package, and the whole package will be CYA. Uh, so with your book, um, are you uh, self-publishing or uh, using a service or a bit? Uh... Oh my gosh, there's this great service out of Austin <laughs> called Scribe. He is the best. Um, great. I mean, they are. And 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 he's got it right. It. He's got it right. Most of writing a book is thinking that you can't. And so he gives you the whole process <laughs> and he gives you the outline. It is a great, because you have the knowledge. You just need to know how to get it out and have it edited and done professionally. And they have, that's what they do. And they're so good at it. So if I could recommend them, I, I would. <laughs> My uh, business partner just wrote a book and um, it's called The uh, Million Dollar Journey. So it's basically journey from, you know, going from a, you know, startup to, you know, a million in revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm and part of this because me and him partnered up in 2017 and we exceeded a million dollars after, you know, at that point. But, um, but it's got a whole journey of like a startup to like a million dollars in revenue. And it's kind of the, you know, step-by-step kind of how to's the um, things, the things you got your, the things you got your ass kicked along the way that you want to help people prevent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Maybe they can condense it to, you know, a couple years instead of exactly. 10 years. Yeah. 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 Sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I got fun. my ass kicked for years too before I figure out how to do it right. <laughs> I think it's just what's that. So you said what I heard was ten times your revenue. Yes. And what's the goal? What's the timeline? <sighs> ten years or less. That's and, excellent. So, and, and, and don't get me wrong, twenty one has kicked me in the butt. I'm twenty percent down over over twenty. But don't get me wrong, twenty was starting out to be my biggest year ever, and it just you know so. I'm just going to speed things up. Well, I, I can tell you the downtime we really used. I wrote two books. We've switched to Clio, which is all online. We've, we've become where we can basically work for anywhere. Um, you know, So it was really a time to get regroup and get everything to de- together, which I think we did. My team did a really good job at. Um, That's excellent. I've actually heard that from quite a few people. They got to kind of regroup, um, work on things that they didn't get to work on because they're too busy. Um, and then now, yeah, your uh, things are maybe hopefully more efficient. Yeah. Um, you can start to work remote with some folks if you need to uh, have this capability if you didn't have it. So yeah, that's really good. Um, yeah, we have a goal. It's a uh, hundred million in revenue by 2030. So that's so, what, 20 years, uh, 10 years, 10 years, the same, same timeline as you roughly. Um, yeah. That's a lot bigger goal than mine. <laughs> 10 times <laughs> that I thought was huge. Well, I'm going to check in with you and see where you're, where we're at here. Okay. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's locked in. We, we have a podcast called an, a, a separate podcast from this um, for entrepreneurship, and it's called Journey to 100 Million. And uh, we just talk about getting your ass kicked, uh, the goods, the, the bad, um, you know, things we learn, books we read. But they're like five, 10 minute episodes, just real mm-hmm. quick kind of yeah. things. But uh, yeah, it's all fun stuff. But, you know, 100 a lot of million, stuff. that's a big journey. <laughs> <laughs> that is and once we put it out there, we it's just, like 10 times like, my 10 time. Huh. Well, once we put it out there, it's kind of like, hey, we just did that. So now we yeah. got to. Now we got to do that. that. <laughs> There's plenty of people out there that need your help, though. I mean, I can't tell you. I knew that marketing was an issue that I needed to deal with. And so I'd hire people that said they knew about marketing. And it's if you can outsource it, definitely do that um, because it is it is such a big part of being successful in, in this day and age. You have to be out there. And I agree with you too, 100% that uh, not everything can necessarily be outsourced and not everything should be. Um, and I think we've kind of learned that some somewhat the hard way in some cases that, you know, for some clients, uh, and especially with they're not here local to us, most of our clients are national, mm-hmm. but we can't do certain things. Social media is always best run by the brand itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone on site, and you guys have some really good stuff. I saw the videos and a lot of your different employees and mm-hmm. you kind of have some of like the, the, the audio clips and all that cool stuff going on that that would be very difficult for some other uh, third party to do for you and that's the thing i I learned after is that like i can create the content i just need somebody to put it out there for me uh you know and the authentic me people want to listen to and so but trying to have somebody else do that voice it just it doesn't work (laughs) at least i mean you could put it out there but then i go read that i'm like what the hell does that even mean i don't even know i don't know (laughs) this must be my website Well, so yeah, the, the thing here is um, you create the content, which is it can be quick, and then you have a machine, a process for distributing it and repurposing as We're much making as possible. it look pretty and attractive for the different platforms, the different platforms or different things. And, yep. I, I, I. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, <laughs> it's entirely a whole other job. So I know uh, your your website here. You also mentioned the Subcontractor Institute. Institute. Is, uh, is there a, another way people can connect with you if they'd like to follow you? I'm on LinkedIn. My personal name, the firm Subcontractor Institute on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. And I think just, I don't know, we're on, apparently we're starting TikTok videos, but I have no idea what that even means. So I don't know if you're on there, if people follow you. I don't know how that works. Love it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't really mess with TikTok myself personally, but um, it's it's another thing. It's getting big and it's apparently getting apparently it's huge so. in construction. I, I didn't know the guys on the job side out doing TikTok videos. I don't know. <laughs> and we got to go where the clients are going. So exactly. That's good. Well, I think uh, you know I looked at your site and anyone watching checking it, check out her website. I know most of the links to the social platforms she mentioned are off there, mm-hmm. uh, so you can catch up. Check out her book. I put the comp. I think I put the link in the uh, comments Excellent. and um, look for her next book. Uh, September. That, September. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Cool. Well, anything else you'd like to add before we no, go? Thank you so much for having me. Um, no, my love. customer service, no matter what business you're in, customer service is most important. Love it. All right. That's tip of the day, everyone. If you're listening, work on customer yes. service, answer the phone, get back to people. Yeah. It's quit giving lawyers a bad name, please. <laughs> or just send the, you know, send more work there. Exactly. Or, you send so. to me. I'll take care of them. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on everyone. Happy Friday, have a good weekend, and we will see you soon.